0: The former clerk guilty of fraud.
1: Any comments at all, sir?
0: The conclusion of the wood splitter case and how Craig James evaded conviction on the most serious accusations. Foiled at the passport office. As you can see, there's almost 100 people here. But what are they supposed to do with their flights?
2: The crisis for hundreds of Canadians with expired paperwork and why there's no easy
0: fix. And... (laughs) When eagles attack, I knew right away when she was on our front door or something was up. Hey, hey. The quick thinking mom who protected her own flock.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global
2: News Hour at 6. Good evening, and thanks very much for joining us. Nearly four years after he was escorted out of the legislature by police, Craig James has been found guilty of fraud and breach of trust.
0: But the former clerk was acquitted on charges related to a quarter million dollar retirement fund and that infamous wood splitter. Aaron MacArthur has the conclusion of the legislature spending scandal.
4: Any comment there? No. Craig James walked out of court Thursday say, guilty of breach of public trust. Are you glad it's over? but only on a small portion of what he was originally charged with. It brings to an end a scandal that began four years ago when James was escorted out of the legislature by RCMP officers. The former clerk maintained from the beginning
5: he did nothing wrong. What do you hope, sort of how quickly this could be resolved? Uh, Sooner
6: rather than later.
5: And and the plan is to go and and fight uh, these charges as aggressively as you can?
4: Yes. James was found guilty on two counts breach of trust and fraud over expense claims submitted for his personal use. Crown claimed there were tens of thousands of dollars in inappropriate expenses submitted on everything from luggage to stationery to travel. But Chief Associate Justice Heather Holmes only found evidence to support charges on $1,800 worth of clothing. James was cleared of much more significant charges. On the count of breach of trust related to a quarter of a million dollar retirement payout, he was found not guilty. And for the purchase and use of a wood splitter and trailer, he was found not guilty. In her reasons for judgment, Holmes indicated there was suspicion that James took advantage of circumstances to serve his own interests, but Crown did not prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt.
5: have no comment
4: It was then Speaker of the Legislature... ...who brought what he called criminal misappropriation of public money to the RCMP. Thursday, he declined comment on the verdict until he reviews the judgment. But Premier John Horgan says this is the end of a dark
6: chapter at the legislature. It was a difficult time for the people who work here, uh, British Columbians who are passionate and committed to our institutions of democracy. While James walked away, he will still face sentencing...
4: A date will be fixed for the hearing next week. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
0: And Richard Zussman joins us live with more on the story. Richard, what changes have been implemented since this whole thing began?
5: A lot has changed, Sophie, since Craig James was escorted from the building from this exact spot. The big changes are all about rebuilding trust at the legislature. There has been huge concern that it has been eroded due to the scandal, and the legislature did move quickly through its Legislative Assembly Management Committee to make substantial changes around accountability. Let's go through some of those very specific changes that have been brought into place. A respectful workplace policy here at the legislature. Enhanced oversight of permanent officers, including the clerk, and the Sergeant-at-Arms, and disclosures on staff compensation, travel expenses, car transactions, and contract procurement.
2: The other important thing, though, is that uh, the significant changes that have taken place to ensure that uh, what happened uh, with Mr. James can never happen again.
7: I think for the public, it's the expectation that people in public service understand that they have a duty and a responsibility to be good stewards of public money.
0: It's been quite a process, Richard, but what changes do they still need to make at the legislature?
5: There is a new Sergeant-at-Arms in place as well, Sophie, as well as a new clerk. The Sergeant-at-Arms has constantly been reviewing the security protocols here at the legislature. There's also the question around whistleblower legislation. The government has brought it in, but those that worked at the legislature during this time felt they weren't protected enough. So there's still questions about that. There are questions about the wood splitter itself. The legislature is still grappling with what to do with it, either to sell it or to keep it. But the one thing that will remain here at the legislature is this. Craig James' photo on the wall, a continued reminder of his guilt, will remain forever here in the Speaker's corridor.
0: Part of B.C. history now. Thanks for that, Richard.
5: More anger and
2: frustration at a B.C. passport office where people have been lining up for days to get emergency paperwork or risk missing their flights. Today, they got some shocking news. And John Waugh shows us what happened after Global News contracted or contacted the federal ministry responsible.
8: Uh, They're getting in, it seems, faster than us.
1: Line up first thing in the morning. Get pushed off mall property to camp overnight. This has become the enraging routine for these people who are running out of time, set to travel in the next 48 hours and desperate a walk-in appointment at the Surrey Passport Centre.
8: There's almost 100 people here, but what are they supposed to do with their flights?
1: Adding fuel to their frustration, this is what it looks like inside at the start of the day, despite the government's message priority will be given to those with more imminent travel.
9: It's not that all of a sudden people are just like, oh, by the way, I fly in two days, now I need this document. They've been trying to get it for months.
1: Now, at one point, it does seem like Service Canada did try to clear this line, not by processing more applications, but instead by sending people home. They see on Wednesday, security told them there would be no more walk-in applications until next week. That means anyone flying in the next 48 hours would miss their flights. That same message delivered on Thursday morning.
8: I almost had a heart attack because I'm like, like, what am I supposed to do now?
1: That's until Global News contacted Employment and Social Development Canada asking why walk-ins were being eliminated when people have been waiting for dates in line.
8: They issued two tickets and they said that's it for the rest of the day.
1: The flip-flop confirmed in these videos. Now they've changed the plan. Or even passport office security seemed to be left confused.
8: Yesterday said no. No, said no. no, I'm
9: surprised they did the so no idea what
7: they
1: The poor communication, a major concern for the union representing passport office staff. It says a personnel shift from mail-in applications to front service counters has been slow, and more hiring and training should have started months, if not a full year earlier.
6: They recognize this a bit late in trying to get people onto their counters. But uh, People who entitle entitled
1: passports in this country, they don't, don't just walk off the street. At the end of the day, only two walk-ins were accepted at the Surrey Passport Services office. The rest will camp out and repeat their routine, with no clear idea of whether any more walk-ins will be accepted in the morning. John Hua, Global News.
0: All right, let's take a look at the weekly COVID-19 numbers for B.C. There are 334 people in hospital. Forty-nine of those patients are in the ICU. There have been 59 more deaths in the past week due to complications of the virus. And we have 1,645 new confirmed cases.
2: Hundreds of doctors and health care advocates gathered at the B.C. legislature today demanding government action to fix the crisis facing family doctors and their patients. As Kylie Stanton reports, the demonstrating doctors are worried about the million British Columbians who don't have access to a family physician.
8: What do you deserve? Their They're physicians, patients, and advocates, all here with just one message. Now is the time. We have healthcare for a reason. It's a primary need. As several hundred rallied outside the BC legislature, politicians inside once again debating the issue.
7: One in five British Columbians do not have a family doctor, and many more are at risk of losing the doctor they have. Some of them are in the gallery today, including Camille Curry, whose petition has garnered over 42,000 signatures. Curry founded
8: BC Healthcare Matters back in February after learning she would lose her physician at the Eagle Creek Medical Clinic and she quickly realized she wasn't alone.
10: We are ready and willing to listen and meet at any time to talk about the tangible now solutions that the citizens and our organization deserve and need to see. I'm
8: going to look into your left eye now. There are several issues that appear to be contributing to the exodus. Family doctors have been asking the province for an overhaul to the fee-for-service model in order to have more payment options. Financial assistance is needed to help cover the costs of running a small business, as well as enhanced efforts to get more doctors trained and accredited. BC's health minister claims the province is working to resolve these problems.
11: Because there are other opportunities for family practice doctors today, and we've got to make sure we get that balance right. And you only do that by
12: working together, and so that's what we're doing.
8: One path the government will not take is privatization. According to the premier, he's made it clear to the federal government it must come to the table and address the lack of funding.
6: I'm confident we'll get an agreement that will meet our needs going forward. Uh, So I I don't want to imagine uh, what will happen if we don't come to agreement. We will be letting down not just this generation of British Columbians, but generations to come. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
0: B.C.'s struggling food services industry is starving for staff and calling on the provincial and federal governments to take action to help fix the crippling labor shortage. As Amadagahi reports, the industry says a backlog in foreign worker applications is taking away a key supply of employees at the worst possible time.
3: Patios are critical to us, to be honest, because we go from maybe 85 seats on the inside to upward of 130 seats with patios.
13: And on this sunny Thursday afternoon, the patio at Romer's in Vancouver's River District filled up soon after opening. You would think it's a sign that business is good, and it is.
3: Always ready for a busy weekend, good for you guys.
13: But ahead of May long weekend, this type of demand has BC restaurants feeling the crunch
3: of a now historic labor shortage. I've never seen a time and place in my 40 years in the industry like it is today. Uh, We're short about 30%.
13: The BC restaurant industry estimates it needs 30 to 35,000 workers. On the heels of the pandemic worker exodus, there's also belief that processing delays on foreign worker applications are a factor keeping jobs vacant.
3: Everybody's short workers and the the big solution for us is to get this foreign workers program uh, in place and, and acting as it should.
13: The BC Restaurant Association wants the province to ask Ottawa for an exemption to what's called the Labour Market Impact Assessment, which confirms there is a need for a temporary foreign worker for any given job and that there is no Canadian or permanent resident available to do that job. This would be temporary and could help fill the void by speeding up the process.
4: We're pushing the feds not only to reduce the time, but we're also pushing them to give us more levers and more say in uh, what type of workers we need because we know what we need.
1: Working all these hours sometimes drains you. It's very exhausting also.
8: I was working seven days a week. Um, Now I'm down to five days a week. Um, But, I mean, that's what you got to do when times are tough. you got to help each other out and fill in spots when needed.
13: Y'all ready for a big
3: weekend, Kate? Oh,
8: yeah.
13: In the meantime, those already picking up the slack will continue to ask for patience, especially during the busy weekends ahead.
2: Emad Agahi, Global News. Well, the province is getting a lot more heat for high gas prices. Wait till you see how much of the price at the pump is just for taxes these folks are happy to show you next on the news hour
0: swimming for seniors the young man pushing his physical limits for those who can't and wait till you see what he does when he's not in the water that's coming up
2: also a new record for the world's most expensive automobile we'll tell you why this mercedes-benz is so special and what it's sold for later
0: First, though, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is taking aim at the sky-high prices at the pump, not surprisingly, pointing the finger at taxes.
2: Vancouverites pay the most in the country right now, and as Paul Johnson reports, the anti-tax group says 75 cents of every litre you buy goes right to the government.
7: So here in Metro Vancouver, we have the highest rate of taxation on gasoline in all of North America.
3: Unveiling what they call their gas tax honesty campaign. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation wants to make it visually clear to British Columbians how much of their gas bill goes to the energy itself and how much to governments.
7: Add all of this together, you get 75 cents per liter of gasoline is taxes.
3: Their breakdown is based on B.C.'s uniquely complex fuel tax structure. For a 10-liter fill-up right now, 15 bucks is for the gas, the rest for the tax man. A combination of federal taxes, transit and roads tax, carbon tax and other levies. Combined with inflation on everything else, taxpayer advocate Chris Sims says it's resulting in this alarming state of affairs.
7: And right now, I don't know about you folks, but we get phone calls every week at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation from people who say that they can't afford to fill up their vehicles to get to work.
2: The taxes actually make up the most substantial Uh, tax regime in North America.
3: Veteran fuel price analyst Dan McTeague says the Taxpayers' Federation numbers are essentially correct. And like them, he believes the most practical move would be for B.C. to drop the so-called second carbon tax and the provincial excise tax, which the Taxpayers' Federation says would save British Columbians about a quarter a litre at today's prices.
7: If we drop those two taxes... You'd save almost $20 every time you fill up a family minivan. That's real savings for real families, and the Premier should do it.
3: But so far, Premier Horgan hasn't blinked in this spring's standoff with drivers and consumer advocates, and there's no sign of any softening in Victoria. The lower mainland drivers are about to get a bit of a break with new supply coming online from Washington state. McTeague expects that if government doesn't do something... British Columbians may experience prices in the 2.40 a liter range for the summer driving season. Paul Johnson, Global News.
2: Coming up, new developments in a case of violent bullying how RCMP are tracking down the young people involved, sometimes with the help of parents.
0: And The Wolverines revealed the full story behind the soldiers tagging abandoned Russian tanks during the war in Ukraine. <laughs>
10: Slow and steady over here at the Patello Bridge in both directions with just some minor congestion at the north end. Get best in class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the
0: Patello Bridge. Police are getting closer to recommending charges against those suspected of kicking and punching a teenage girl earlier this month in Surrey.
2: The case was witnessed by dozens, shared online, and it shocked the community. Ramina Daya has an update, but first a warning: this story does contain some disturbing content.
14: Oh, run! Get close! The investigation into the horrifying beating of an innocent 15-year-old Cloverdale girl is advancing rapidly. Surrey RCMP say investigators will be recommending charges against three young people who have been arrested and released on court-ordered conditions. Each of the three youths was arrested on different charges depending on their role in the assaults that evening. The victim's mother told us her daughter was set up and threatened at knife point for no reason. After the teen was punched and kicked, she was forced to kiss the shoes of her attackers. The bloody beating posted online. Multiple teens watched and cheered. No one called 911. Was not beating her enough. She made her kiss their shoes and degrade her in front of 50 kids. This is disgusting. The teen still recovering, but grateful for the colossal amount of support she's receiving. Some of the youth involved have come forward and apologized. Suri RCMP say parents have even turned their children in. It is clear that um, many people had a lapse in judgment uh, that evening and that now Hopefully, you know, parents are starting to try to not rectify the situation, but at least hold their children accountable for their role. Videos, text messages, pictures, an enormous amount of information has been forwarded to police. The Mounties say they've identified most of the people involved, but they're still urging anyone with information to step up and make contact. Romina Dea, Global News.
0: A charge of assault has now been approved against a VPD officer in relation to an on-duty incident back in 2019. Constable Simrat Roycombo, seen here in a Vancouver police video, is scheduled to make his first court appearance June 27th. The assault is alleged to have happened on June 9th of that year near Strathcona Park. A man says he was tackled to the ground by the officer suffering a serious injury that required treatment in hospital. The charge determination follows a lengthy review by the Independent Investigations Office and the B.C. Prosecution Service.
2: A coroner's jury has ruled the death of a B.C. woman in New Brunswick is in fact a homicide. It isn't surprising the finding only means Chantal Moore's death was caused by another person, not that any crime was committed. A police officer shot Moore in the chest, abdomen, and leg as he conducted a wellness check in June 2020. The officer contends Moore came at him with a knife. She had recently moved to New Brunswick from Port Alberni. The jury can make recommendations that aimed at preventing similar deaths in the future, but they aren't binding.
0: Up next, art imitates life in the Ukraine war.
15: Because a lot of these guys don't have any training.
0: Global News gets exclusive access to a secretive group known as the Wolverines. How a Hollywood movie inspired their name.
2: And on the lookout for monkeypox, how concerned should we be about this emerging virus?
10: Water flow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel, and traffic is steady in both directions. Keep in mind, there is overnight road work on Highway 99 south of the tunnel towards 80th Street. The gold standard is one thing, but Craftsman Collision sets the aluminum standard by being Ford Aluminum. Three locations, Craftsman Collision, Air Miles, and Bigger Smiles. I'm sure she was in Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
2: Over the past couple of months, photos like this one have been appearing on social media from Ukraine showing destroyed Russian military vehicles spray painted with the word Wolverines.
0: The peculiar calling card has sparked a flurry of speculation over who's responsible for destroying and tagging the Russian tanks. Jeff Semple reports from inside Ukraine where he gained exclusive access to a secretive group of foreign volunteers.
15: Last month, after Russian forces suffered a crushing defeat near Ukraine's capital, residents surveying the damage came across a peculiar sight. Abandoned Russian military vehicles, spray-painted with the word Wolverines. The photos shared on social media sparked international intrigue over who was responsible. Well, now the secretive group is stepping out of the shadows for the first time granting Global News exclusive access inside their operation.
11: We're going in loud, and we're going in fast.
15: The Wolverines are led by around 100 volunteers from 20 countries. American, British, and Canadian combat veterans and former special forces here to fight the Russians and train the Ukrainians. Because a lot of these guys don't have any training... This Wolverines instructor is from B.C. The more people we can train, that's more people who can help defend the country. Over three months, they provided this week-long crash course to more than 6,000 Ukrainians, from soldiers to civilians. Besides learning how to clear an abandoned building, perform rescues and operate an AK-47, the Wolverines are also learning the power of a symbol. The Wolverine's shoulder patch is inspired by a Cold War classic. Wolverines! The fictional 1984 film Red Dawn, about a group of American teens who fight off a Soviet invasion of the United States, all while using their high school mascot's name as a calling card. Before completing their training, the Ukrainians are required to watch the movie for inspiration. It's a clear
1: presentation of how young, motivated people, not professional soldiers, can step up, step up to the plate and knock it out of the park. The Wolverines
15: and their Ukrainian students then head together to the front lines, armed with guns and cans of spray paint to leave their mark. It's uh, something to inspire people. People see it. They know we're here. They know that they're not alone. Jeff Semple, Global News, in western Ukraine. Canada Post is
2: offering Canadians a way to support the people of Ukraine with a new stamp. One dollar from each booklet of ten stamps will go to the Canada-Ukraine Foundation's humanitarian appeal. This is the first time that Canada Post has issued a stamp in support of a country in need of humanitarian assistance. Nearly 4% of Canadians can trace their roots back to Ukraine. You can order the stamps online now or buy them at your local post office starting in July.
0: The Canadian government says it will ban Chinese telecommunications vendor Huawei from its 5G network. The development of 5G or fifth generation networks will give people speedier online connections and provide vast data capacity to meet growing demand and innovation. Critics, including the opposition conservatives, have long pressed the Liberals to deny Huawei a role in building the country's 5G infrastructure, claiming it would allow Beijing to spy more easily on Canadians. Canada now joins its Five Eyes intelligence allies, Australia, New Zealand, the UK and the US, in banning or restricting Huawei equipment.
2: An old car has set a new record for the highest price ever paid for something you can drive.
4: It's
6: yours. So to you sir.
2: Thank you. Behold the 1955 Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR Uhlenhaut Coupé, one of only two in existence. It's been owned by the manufacturer since its creation and has never been sold to anyone until now. The top bidder, who remains anonymous, paid 135 million euros. That's about 183 million dollars Canadian. The proceeds will establish a worldwide Mercedes-Benz fund to provide long-term educational and research scholarships in the areas of environmental science and decarbonization.
0: Doctors in Canada are investigating suspected cases of monkeypox as the highly contagious virus has emerged in the U.S., U.K., and Portugal. There are 17 possible cases being tested in Montreal, and as Global's Jamie Morocco reports, experts say there will likely be more.
10: There isn't lab confirmation of monkeypox in Montreal yet, but health officials say recent outbreaks abroad suggest their suspicions are likely right
0: we have a few links of travel. Uh, We have uh, this case, particularly in the the United States, and we have other uh, possible links to travel as well. But not
7: all cases were linked to travel.
10: Wednesday, officials in Boston confirmed an American man who traveled to Canada is in hospital being treated for monkeypox. Cases have also been reported in the UK, Portugal, Sweden, Italy, and are being investigated in Spain.
7: What's unusual about this is that there appears to be multiple transmission clusters um, occurring in various countries.
10: It's rare but not unheard of to see the illness outside of Western and Central Africa where it pops up yearly. Monkeypox is similar to smallpox, something most Canadians over the age of 50 would be vaccinated for, possibly giving them a stronger chance of fighting off the virus. Symptoms include fever, headache, fatigue, swollen lymph nodes, a facial rash and lesions. In Montreal, the first cases were noted by sexual health clinics as early as May 12th.
8: Mainly those
13: cases are men uh, that have had a sexual relationship with other men, aged between 30 to 55 years old.
10: Infectious disease physicians at McGill University Health Centre have been treating two of the suspected cases. Dr. Donald Vinn says monkeypox is typically spread through close contact or aerosols, but it's not considered a sexually transmitted disease.
6: There are other things that, that that may be going on. Of course, you can also have two different things, right? You can also have monkeypox circulating in some cohorts.
13: You can also have a chancroid or other types of infections circulating in other cohorts.
10: The Public Health Agency of Canada has yet to receive any reports of monkeypox. But if cases are confirmed, Montreal officials are certain more will pop up. Jamie Marocker, Global News, Toronto.
2: Coming up, a predator picks the wrong prey.
0: Hey, hey, hey!
2: How the homeowner came out to defend her flock later.
0: And in this part of the prairie, solar panels are the new bumper crop.
5: This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team. And let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca.
0: Renewable energy is becoming more common in Alberta, with the southern part of the province turning into a hot spot for solar energy.
2: As globalist Quinn Campbell reports, the sunniest part of the country is prime real estate for many companies that are hoping to harvest green energy.
7: As far as the eye can see, rows of solar panels stretch across these Vulcan County fields at the Travers Solar Project. When completed, this 3,330-acre site will be the largest of its kind in Canada.
11: About 1,300,000 solar panels will be installed on the overall site.
7: Greg Sharametta is the project director for PCL Construction Management. The company tasked with building the site. He says once designers had a plan, civil, structural and electrical engineers made it happen.
11: There's probably about 20 different engineering firms that were a part of the project, Uh, that are currently working on it and I'd estimate that'd be in excess of hundreds of engineers that have participated in the design and currently work with us as we kind of proceed with the construction.
7: The massive project is being developed through a partnership with Greengate Power Corporation and Copenhagen Infrastructure Partners. Each phase of the project is a major undertaking requiring a significant amount of workers.
11: We currently have on site approximately 750 workers in the field we have about a 40-person uh, staff on-, on site here that work from a management perspective.
7: According to the Canada Energy Regulator, the prairies are leading the country in renewable energy development. Chief Economist John denis Charlebois projects significant solar capacity growth in what is the sunniest part of Canada.
13: We see that trend continue uh, in the decades to come. Um, all the reason why we see renewables uh, potentially reaching 50% of the electricity generation makes by 2050 in Alberta specifically.
7: For a province that's been known for fossil fuels, the southern part of Alberta is seeing a shift as renewables become more of a player in energy production.
13: It's not a matter of hydrocarbons or renewables, or against one another. It's really about all forms of energy and how they can complement one another in the context where Canada is transitioning to a lower, lower carbon
6: economy.
7: Construction on the Traverse Solar Project is set to be complete by the fall of this year. Quinn Campbell, Global News. We well, need sunshine for that. <laughs>
2: Sounds like we're getting some around here.
9: Yeah, we may be able to actually string together about four days with some sunshine, which we haven't seen in a very long time. So I'll have your long weekend forecast coming up in just a moment. It's very important as we get in towards our Monday and what we're anticipating even past that as well. A great shot of overlooking the lines right now on our tower cam. Temperatures are sitting at 14. We've got a northwesterly wind at 19 kilometers per hour. It's been breezy through the day today. We've had a few gusts even out of the airport up to 50 kilometers per hour. But it is calm as we get in towards the evening and overnight tonight. Now, the plan so far, we've got a bit more cloud cover that'll build in. We'll see that for the morning hours. May be deceiving, but it is actually going to clear. And towards the afternoon tomorrow, temperatures will start to bump up as we get up to 15. Average for this time of the year, so it's at 16 degrees. Here's the break that we're anticipating for most areas along the south coast. But we do have one blip in the forecast. And as we look closely towards the afternoon hours tomorrow, areas into the Fraser Valley. So eastern regions, we'll be looking at the chance for some showers and the risk of thunderstorms. That'll be the blip in the forecast and much of the southern half of the province extending into the southeastern corners will also see that instability with the risk of thunderstorms. Once we get past that, it's actually a great start to our long weekend. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, all days remaining dry so far paired with some sunshine and temperatures will be pleasant as well, even getting up to daytime highs of 18 degrees. Plenty of sunshine the weather story across the northern half of the province. It's towards the southern half for tomorrow, so a heads up instability, chance for some showers and the risk of thunderstorms. Kamloops tomorrow getting up to highs of 20 degrees. We'll see that blip in the forecast for the Fraser Valley tomorrow with that range up to 17 as a daytime high. We've got that blip for tomorrow and ice clearing is on the way and so far leading in towards the long weekend, plenty of sunshine in the mix, dry conditions, and on Monday hoping to see highs up to 18 degrees. Tonight, central windows, weather window, a great shot. Captured on the water, Fort Langley, and this one was taken by Cindy. So thank you so much, guys. Gorgeous clouds. All right. Thank (laughs) you
0: very much, Yvonne.
2: An unlikely intervention saved the life of Frankie the Goose, and the entire incident was caught on camera.
0: A security camera captured the moment when a bald eagle swooped down, grabbed the goose, and started dragging it away. That's when Kate Oakley, who was busy breastfeeding at the time, rushed outside and scared off the bird of prey. She says the family had already lost three chickens to the hungry eagle, and she wasn't about to let it take Frankie, too. Well, I knew right away that she, when she was on our front door, something was up.
7: Um, then we heard her calling, And I right away went to the front door, and that's when I saw large eagle wings coming down, flung the door open. Um, It had grabbed her by the neck, but I startled it enough that it didn't get quite a good grip. So I chased up the driveway, and it let go, and Frankie
0: came running back home. Luckily, Frankie was not injured during the eagle attack and seems unfazed by the danger as she has now resumed her patrols of the family's property. A good guard
2: goose. A good guard goose. Frankie (laughs) is on the watch. Uh, okay, Squire's away today, Barry's in for him mm-hmm. Everybody was watching the Battle of Alberta yesterday for good reason But there's lots of good hockey going on in BC these days
12: Yep, yeah, lots going on, we are been talking about uh, Penticton V's in a moment And the Giants made a, a historic draft pick today But the Whitecaps are slowly turning their season around They had a big comeback win last night versus Dallas Thanks to Vanny the Motivator
4: But might dance dancing and play more in this place! Because we got going to win
12: tonight. Andiamo! Six, four! Yelling at pro players seems to work. At least last night it did. Whitecaps
2: win. We'll have highlights. Andiamo indeed. Also tonight, long-term care worker and long-distance swimmer. How this man combines his two passions to help others. Later.
0: All right, Barry's here with some playoff hockey of the BCHL variety.
12: Mm Mm-hmm, some uh, real success story here. Thanks, Sophie. The uh, Penticton Vs not only won the BCHL championship last night with a four-game sweep of Nanaimo, but the Vs did it in record-breaking fashion. Penticton lost its first playoff game this postseason way back on March 31st. But since then, they've reeled off an incredible 16 straight wins. The Vs were all about the Ws. (laughs)
6: it was the perfect finish to a nearly perfect playoff run for the penticton v's as the team hoisted the fred page cup for the 13th time in the club's history but they've never had a run quite like this the v's went streaking winning 16 straight to claim the cup
11: yeah it feels unbelievable uh, to do it in front of our fans was obviously special uh, we had a great supporting cast uh a band that came out and traveled uh all the way to Nanaimo here to support us so that was obviously sweet to do it in front of them and I think for us as a group we had a lot of returning guys from last year and uh, you know that was our goal going into the summer last year when we finished.
6: What makes this moment so special for the Vs is how long they've had to wait just to get this opportunity. Because the pandemic cut the 2020 season short, there hasn't been a BCHL champion the last two years. It it means means a lot to me, you know, playing here for two years, last year not being
13: able to, you know, play for a championship, and then this year coming in and being able to up my role a little bit and and
6: help this team and and winning a championship has has meant the world to me. As Frank Jurasevich lifts that trophy high. In the 16-game win streak, the Vs only gave up more than two goals in a game once and outscored their opponents 73-22. to 22.
11: When you look at our goaltending, our goalie was absolutely unbelievable. Our defending was great.
6: And, uh, you know, our, our forwards can put the puck in the back of the net. We did that consistently. It was a dominant performance and an experience that this team will never forget. It's the closest hockey team I've
11: ever played on in my life. Uh, we're all brothers. I mean, every single guy loves each other. Um, you know these are friendships that are gonna last uh, a lifetime and you know whether we were gonna get this bad boy or not um, at the end of the day we're gonna be brothers for life and uh, I'm, I'm so proud of every single one of
6: these guys
12: Well, the Vancouver Giants have become the first CHL team to ever draft a female skater in the prospects draft. They used to call it the Bantam draft. The Giants used their final selection today to pick Chloe Primorano from North Vancouver. She played with the U15 boys team at the Burnaby Winter Club this past season. Female goalies have appeared in major junior games in the past, but never a skater. Maybe Chloe could be the first. World Hockey Championships from Finland, Canada. After a couple of days off, back on the ice against Kazakhstan. First period tied at two. Pretty three-way pass play, finished off by Adam Lowry. Canada looked a little disinterested today against Kazakhstan, who are last in the pool. Canada put the pedal down any time it got close. Dylan Cousins was the offensive star. That's his hat-trick goal. Canada wins 6-3. They're 4-0. They play the Swiss, who are also 4-0 on Saturday. Now that the CFL players' strike has been resolved, the Lions had their first official training camp workout this afternoon in Kamloops. In all, they lost four days of practice, which is significant, especially for newcomers to the Lions and the CFL.
11: There's no question that each training camp day lost is
12: big. It's not like just a regular season practice. It's a whole day of, of meetings and practicing and, and uh, doing a lot of, of learning and evaluating. Uh, but it is what it is. Last year, Vanny Sartini's energy and enthusiasm played a large role in the Whitecaps' epic run to make the playoffs. This year, the team had a horrible start where they looked anything but energetic, but they've been better recently, and they won again last night, 2-1 over Dallas, thanks to Vanny's halftime pep talk with the team down a goal.
4: No, we need to eat them! We need to f- them! Okay? it is home. We need to win. We need to show that we want to win. Be in the game. Stay in the game. Play well like we are doing now, but with more intensity. And play more in the space. Because we're going to win tonight. Andiamo, dai! Forza.
12: Just like Squire, before the news hour to get us pumped up, uh, his players got the message. Down 1-0, but then Brian White with the header up. The nice service from Christian Gutierrez. White starting to find his form after an injury-riddled start. And then in the 90th, Dallas committed a foul in the box, penalty awarded, and Lucas Cavallini fires it in. 2-1 Caps win. They're still last in the West, but now at least they've got three wins and two draws. They hit the road Sunday against Expansion Charlotte. That's a 2 o'clock start our time. And the opening round of the PGA Championship from Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. All eyes on Tiger, who got off to a great start. His approach shot on his first hole, the 10th is tight. He made birdie, but he also made seven bogeys. His right leg was really hurting, especially the back nine. He admitted that after the round. So a 4 over 74 for Tiger. He played in the same group with Rory McIlroy, and Rory's got the lead thanks to this birdie on his finishing hole, a 5 under 65. One shot better than Will Zalatoris and a couple of others. World number one and Masters champ Scotty Scheffler. Okay, 665-yard par 5, drove it 347, and then a 308-yard three metal to 10 foot to make the eagle putt that's the way you do it he shot one over 71 not a great day for the canadians adam hadwin plus three Corey connors plus six and mckenzie hughes plus seven only 26 of the 156
2: broke par so it's a major it's tough mm, that's one of the toughest mm-hmm. all right thanks very much barry
0: up next the lengths a care worker is swimming to help bc seniors stay with us
2: Attention! Need the latest info on budgeting, personal finances, taxes, affordability, or any other money issues in this pricey province? Then get informed. Andrea examines consumer matters on Global News.
0: Lucas Gentina loves to swim, and he loves to work with seniors.
2: And the Vancouver Island man has found a way to combine both. Jay Durant shows us how on This Is BC.
11: This is the man. <laughs> yeah. right. Y'all ready to get wet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is not the first time Lucas Gentina has got up at the crack of dawn to take a dip. That's a long ways out, man. But this is no easy swim. It will take him an hour and a half shore to shore on the Saanich Inlet. It's the second crossing he's made so far this year. All to raise money to help seniors at the Sandwich Peninsula
3: Hospital.
1: Most of the residents that sometimes are bed-bound, you know, or, or have it, have a bit of an issue kind of leaving the room and having a, a bit of like a doom and gloom mentality. Ooh.
9: Gentina
11: works in long-term
1: care at the hospital and does
11: everything he can <laughs> to bring a little joy oh, to their lives. Oh,
9: He loves the residents and all the residents love him. Dance with me.
11: He's always talking about his 100 grandmas and grandpas and all the things he does for them, and he shows me pictures of them. They can't believe the lengths
1: he's going to for them. They're like, what? Why? (laughs) And I just say, yeah, why not?
11: Lucas learned to swim at a young age thanks to his father, who competed at the national level in Chile. Bruno Gentino was a member of the
1: country's modern pentathlon team. I grew up seeing his medals. So I would just grow up, like, I would just be a little kid and look at it and be like, oh, I have to do something now. You put the bar pretty high. I think we're at the halfway point, we really. Were... So far, through two swims, he's raised close to
11: $20,000. Money that will buy better wheelchairs to encourage the residents to get out and
1: explore a little. It's Just anything that will help, help our elders and help our, our seniors and give them a comfortable way of life, which they deserve.
11: The hardest part is over, at least for now, because Gentina plans to do many more charity swims.
8: Well done. He even has a new
11: nickname. Barnacle Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Barnacle Boy. Jay Durant, Global News.
0: Good job. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to B.C., don't forget to email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca.
2: And just before we go, we have some more baby news to pass along tonight, this time Though it's a Global BC alumni you'll probably recognize.
0: Yes, and it wasn't that long ago that she was here at the station. But Caitlin Herbst and her husband, Kyle, welcomed baby Decker early this morning. Decker decided to make his entrance just after 1 a.m., which was around the time Caitlin used to wake up when she had the morning show. (laughs) Uh, Happy and healthy and eight pounds of four ounces of cuteness, big sister Ryan is there too. Also very excited to have a little brother.
9: Congratulations to the family.
0: Oh,
12: well very well done, fertile dude. ground around here these
9: days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. We've got a growing family. We've had lot, what four <laughs> <laughs> babies, I think, in the last week. Yeah. It's crazy, Three, if not four. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Something Definitely something in the water around here. <laughs> uh, and something in the sky. It's going to look like the sun. I
9: ha- haven't seen a sunball in a while, and it looks like we're actually going to hang on to some sunshine dry conditions. I know, Gailis, you were asking me for softball this weekend, lots of tournaments. Uh, those who are going to be out and about, it looks like we'll actually hang on to those dry conditions for the latter half of the long weekend, leading in towards our Monday too.
2: Little League tournament out in Langley this weekend looks pretty good to all the parents. I know we've been double-crossing the fingers, hoping... Thanks very much, and thanks for watching, everyone.
0: Good night, all.